Hello and welcome to the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. I'm your host, Mike Jefferson. Thank you for joining us as we talk with community leaders from across Greater Des Moines who share their greatest accomplishments and their biggest challenges. Now more than ever during these trying times, leadership remains crucial to the strength and resilience of our region. Let's hear from today's leader. Today on the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast, we have Deidre Dejir joining us. Uh, she's an experienced consultant. Uh, she's got skills in the nonprofit arena. She's done event management, fundraising, and she's she's a local. She's a graduate of Drake University. Um, I will let her get into a little bit more about herself for those of you that are listening out there. But uh, before we do that, I just want to say, Deidre, welcome to the podcast today. I am happy to be here, Mike. Thank you so much for taking time away from, you know, your regular scheduled programming to enlighten folks through this podcast. I think it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. So um, again, for the sake of those out there listening, Deidre, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh man, that's a loaded question. <laughs> oh my goodness. What better way to start, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Be a little bit more specific because my sign is Pisces. So I just need to, I need a little bit more specificity on that question. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, maybe talk about some of, uh, the careers that you've been involved in, uh, some things. And, and also in addition to that, maybe some things that you're, that you have going on around the community right now. Sure. So that's a fun pathway. Um, I, I came to Drake, as you said, I'm a graduate of Drake university. I came to Drake in 2004, um, from the state of Oklahoma. I'm originally from Mississippi and, um, I was a broadcast news and politics major and had every intention at Drake university coming out of it, being a political analyst and, um, if you can remember during those times, it was like the brink of the 24 hour news schedule when uh-huh. it was starting to become a thing. Yep. Um, and to be a political, political analyst, those jobs were few and far between. Um, you had to be an educator to do it. Now anybody can do it. All you need is a Twitter account. Right. Um, but that's what I had my heart set on doing. And, um, in my sophomore year, I was walking through Drake and somebody pulled me and said, Hey, we want you to apply for this or this uh, internship and her name was Sharon Gettyhanna or is Sharon Gettyhanna and she um, she asked me to apply for this uh, internship and I'm like well my friend's here she's the one looking for a job it was the job there at Drake I was wearing sweats everybody else was wearing <laughs> you know suits and stuff I was like I'm not here for a job I'm just here to support my friend I don't know what I was thinking and and so uh, you know I she, she was working for a bank and my mom was a banker and my dad was an accountant. And I'm like, I don't want to work for a bank. I mean, I, that's not my thing. I, I'm not a finance major, but she said, just apply, just look at the brochure and we hope you apply. I end up taking the brochure back. The, what was cool about Banker Trust internship is that they had all types of um, departments that you could intern for. You didn't necessarily have to intern for a financial sector and it really opened my eyes up to the financial industry in general. And I had my heart set on the human resources department and why, because that's where I had worked for my dad every year um, that I started working every summer. I would work at his home care agency in the HR department. So I knew I could do that. Right. That's what a lot of us tend to do. We mm-hmm. go with what we know yep. we can do. And so um, I was sitting down, Brene Hartman was senior vice president of Maker trust. And she stepped in on my interview and, you know, basically insinuated, you may not, get in the HR department. 
And I'm just like, what? There's two black women who work in this department? Powerhouses, you better add me to this department so I can <laughs> learn from it. I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Right. Well, lo and behold, she puts me in the marketing department and changed my life. Literally changed my life. I had an excellent mentor named Noemi who mentored me about the marketing principles. Um, and um, a Latina woman from Argentina who just really poured into my life. Um, she didn't have daughters. She only had a son. And so, um, you know, I was her work daughter. And, um, I had so many other people that really wrapped their hands around me and their arms around me to, to help me learn, um, this realm of professional life outside of Drake university. And, um, I ended up that internship turned into a full-time job with Bankers Trust over five years. And, um, you know, after that, I, I opened my business at my senior year. Um, actually while I was working for the bank, the bank inspired me to, start this small business because uh, during that time, the recession was hitting mm -hmm. and folks were getting laid off from their jobs and didn't have a choice but to become entrepreneurs, but they didn't know how to market themselves. So I raised my hand as this kid who was like, I got a job, so I, I don't need to make any more money. I mean, at that time <laughs> I was making like $9 an hour, but Which is in my mind, then. I oh, that. Man, oh man, <laughs> and it, with a 25 cent raise on the way, I mean, it was going to be amazing. Um, if that, um, but needless to say, uh, I, I started this small business, uh, to help people market themselves and ended up working for free. Um, and didn't mind it, uh, because it was work that I felt good about doing. Like I said, I come from an entrepreneur family. And so for a small period of my life, I was kind of hybrid between my parents' careers, mm -hmm. um, because that is what I knew. Um, and, uh, what I eventually did is just went into my business more full time, but that wasn't um, before I worked on a presidential campaign. I ended up working on the Barack Obama campaign in 2012 and really felt compelled to work on that race. I originally started as a volunteer and it evolved into a full time job, but I had to be committed for that presidential race because I didn't feel like an undergrad that I did enough to get him elected. I participated in things. Um, and it helped to organize on campus, but I didn't really give my all. And so 2012 was my opportunity to really uh, give my all to his presidency. And uh, don't regret a moment of it. Had an incredible time traveling throughout the state, engaging low propensity voters. Uh, we were able to um, double the turnout for African-Americans and, and really have some awesome outcomes in that year. Uh, and then that was, you know, when the political bug really stuck true to, to me, you know, as a broadcasters and politics major, I didn't really get an opportunity to engage in politics the way I would have liked to. Um, the opportunities were few and far between. Mm -hmm. But after working on that Obama campaign in 12, um, it really opened up some doors for me and helped me to learn you know, what I wanted to do in the realm of politics, because it's a lot. It's a mixed bag. Some people get into it for self-interest. Some people get into it for their family's interest. And I mean, others get into it for the people's interest and everybody's got their own entry point. And um, I, I was excited to be a part of it. Very cool. That's that's pretty awesome. And that's a, a wide range of uh, experiences in in relatively short amount of time, if you really think about it in the grand scheme of things. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I do think it's pretty cool that and it's worth noting for those listening that um, the the um, the name of your your business is called Kaleo Enterprises. And Kaleo is, is Latin for ignite. Um, mm -hmm. And that's pretty awesome because, you know, there are a lot of us, I remember, you know, even thinking back to how I first started, there are a lot of us that are looking for that spark 
from a mentor, from somebody to, to get mm-hmm. us going. So, um, I just wanted to, to give that little call out there to, to let people know that there are those people out there and then to transition into, to asking, um, you know, because this is leading in times of challenge, um, mm-hmm. coming into that, working your own business, um, you know, in O around O eight, uh, still being a student during the, the financial crisis and, and all of that stuff. I don't know if you want to use that as an example or if there are other examples you care to share with us, but did you think about, or have you, what challenges have you encountered um, in the past that you may have been like, I, I have no idea what I just got myself into and mm-hmm. there's no way that I can see the light at the end of the tunnel with this. Mm-hmm. Um, talk, talk about that a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate, but that we're powerful beyond measure. And, um, that is something that I hold true to myself because I'm, I'm my biggest enemy from my vantage point. Nobody can beat me beating me, beating up on me. Um, I, I have that power to do that and can only give it to others. And so, um, the biggest challenge that I had was my transition, leaving Baker's Trust and going into business full time. Um, because I had always had the security of someone telling me what to do, mm-hmm. when to do it. And I really felt compelled to step out on my own. Um, you know, I, I, I think that my time at Bankers Trust, um, had lived itself out. I was only supposed to be there for a season and, and stay there a tad bit longer, um, but was able to get so much out of that. But there came a point where I knew it was time to move on. And I didn't know what it was time to move on to. And so often we are conditioned to, um, if we're going to leave anything, we have to know where we're going um, and at what direction we're going and what, what are the steps along the way. And at that point in time in my life, I was 25 years old and I had no idea where I was going exactly. I, I knew what direction I was going in, but I didn't know what was on the horizon for me. I just knew that it was time to move on. And I ended up, once I left Bankers Trust um, in March, I got married in June. Isn't that crazy? I quit my job right before I get married. Uh, my husband. I, I proposed to my wife the same day I quit my job, too. So I'm right there with you. Highs and lows in one day. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, I did not have a husband who was independently wealthy or had lots and lots of cash. And so, you know, fiscally, it was not probably the best decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but I felt compelled. And that time that I had on my own for a few months, just trying to figure things out was probably one of the best things that I could have done for myself. Because I had left college and needed to find out who the new adult me was. And I was scapegoating trying to figure that out. And some people can multitask and do those things all at one time. But at that time, I could not. And so leaving gave me more direction, more clarity. And it reignited that political bug in me that I had allowed to subside because of the lack of opportunities that existed around me. Um, I walked into the Obama office that February. And I said, I want to volunteer. And in a few weeks, um, that became a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And months after that, I I became, um, a statewide employee for that campaign. 
Um, and it was, it was that action that I believe gave me hope and gave me faith in myself that I could add some value to the political stratosphere. Um, but it, it, had I not had that experience, I don't know where I'd be right now. And just to, you know, give the listeners just a little bit of background on my political life. I, I am a huge avid fan of voting. I believe it's just the most fundamental aspect of how our democracy is positioned to work the most efficiently by hearing the voice of the people, regardless of their socioeconomic status, regardless of their party identity. Um, if they're of age 18 or up, we want them participating in our elections process because our democracy depends on it. And so after working on the Obama campaign in 2012, I then began to work on some of these smaller races to really get people engaged because I will never forget knocking on a gentleman's door in 2012, asking him if he was going to support the president. And he was not sure. And the reason why he wasn't sure is because his sidewalk hadn't been fixed in several years. And he thought that was the president's job to do that. Um, it was at that point that I realized that we have a true disconnect as it relates to um, our bureaucratic systems and their lack of intimacy with regular people. Um, and so I worked on a couple of school board races and volunteered for city council races and things along those lines, but really began to get inundated in local politics and, and, and countywide politics and statewide politics to truly understand if we were going to, if I was going to be a part of any change that it was going to exist in our community, I needed to understand what our systems were beyond what um, conjunct what beyond what my my teachers taught me mm-hmm. beyond what was in the textbooks beyond what I heard on the news I had to be in it um, and uh, I eventually ran for Secretary of State was the first African American Democratic nominee um, for a statewide office and I uh, was really proud about the accomplishments we were able to make our race got more votes than any other race on that ticket including the gubernatorial race in 2018. Um, and although I was not able to, to get in that secretary of state's office to further impact voting and further impact small businesses, another passion of mine, um, we are, were able to make some inroads, um, to at least being a part of transforming the process and, and helping people to learn, um, you know, what government can mean for them if, if they tap into it. Okay. And I'm going to take a slight pivot, um, from the, the regular questions I would ask and, and only, or I guess maybe not a pivot, but more of a tweak, because normally I would ask, I would follow up with, um, you know, how do you lead your teams through some of this? But based on, on what you just told me, especially going into business for yourself, I'm just going to combine the two questions and ask mm-hmm. and ask you, how did you get through these times um, on a solo level? I guess, you know, how people have teammates to lean on and, mm-hmm. and sometimes we have, um, you know, get togethers that are, are used for getting, kicking up the momentum and things like that. But if it was just you, what were some of the things that you did so that you were able to one, not go insane during the day to day, um, that mm-hmm. being a small business owner, uh, requires you to, to be at, but also to, to turn that switch off at the end of the day to, to relax and recharge your batteries and, and keep that mental health, at, at a high level uh, to come back and, and be your own leader, if you will, for, for the day mm-hmm. in and day out in the years that followed. Yeah. You know, it's a balancing act that I still work on. Um, and what gives me the go is 
my ability to help another person. Um, if I can do that, then it's all worth it. I know I'm doing my job. I, I was raised in this fashion that my parents taught me I was not born for me. I was born because I had something inside of me that could add value to the community around me. And whether that's true or not, I believe it. And so far in my life, it's worked for me. <laughs> when I put other people before me, I usually get taken care of. <laughs> uh-huh. and isn't it crazy and amazing at the same time how that works? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I mean, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we are not soul beings. We cannot be strictly reliant on our individual selves, our body. The, the the makeup of our bodies, there is no entity within our body, no mechanism within our body that can operate on its own. Um, and so it's silly of us when we think that we can be independent as, as human beings from everything else. It's silly of us to think that our organizations can work in silos and still be effective. The nature of the world that we live in is codependent on everything else around it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I truly believe that. And I, I am here to do my job as imperfect as I may be. <laughs> I'm here to do whatever job that I can do to, to add some value. And so that's what keeps me going. And the other part that keeps me going is, you know, they teach us this in networking classes and things along those lines. You've got to have your own board of directors. You got to have your friends, your family that you can call on, that you can keep in the loop, that you can bounce ideas off of, um, trusted individuals that, you know, I'm one of those folks. I, I don't, I'm my board of directors. Nobody just tells me what I want to hear. Right. Um, because, you know, that, 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 that's just not how my brain works. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I need to hear everything I want to hear all the time. I need to hear what I don't want to hear mm-hmm. because that's going to make me stronger. It's going to make me better. It's going to make me more effective. Um, cause some people are like, why do you want to be stronger? I, it's, it's a matter of being effective. Right. If, if I could be weak and be effective, sign me up. <laughs> but however I can be effective. Um, that's what I'm down for. 100%. So, uh, as we wrap this up, Deidre, uh, we're we're obviously in the in the midst of a lot of challenge right now throughout the world. Um, you know whether it's dealing with uh, systemic racism, uh, COVID nineteen, obviously um, injustices, disparities all across the the world. What are some things and and obvious and two coming off of uh, the the deliverance of the latest version of the One Economy report that I, I had a chance to work with you on. Mm-hmm. Um, Looking Thanks, at, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. My <laughs> pleasure. Um, looking at some of those challenges, you know, I guess to bring it more to a local level that we're facing, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from past endeavors, whether it's, you know, from the political side of things or starting your own business? What are some lessons that you have learned that you would like to share and or help people apply to the various challenges that we're going through today? Um, biggest thing, conflict is inevitable. Challenges are inevitable. We should know that they are on every horizon, whether they appear in front of us or not. And the difference between those who, um, are successful, the ones that are effective versus the ones who lack success or lack, um, effectiveness is their ability 
to approach those challenges and the confidence that they have in knowing that no matter how big this challenge is, I can overcome it. Um, that is a big lesson that I have learned because in our communities, we are conflict averse. We try to escape conflict. We try to avoid approaching it at all costs. Um, but it is only through dealing with that conflict, um, taking it by its horns that we can move forward, um, efficiently and effectively. The other thing that I have learned is give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, give people grace, uh, whether they deserve it or not. Our first inclination about someone's performance or someone's interaction with us should not always be the negative side of things. Um, give them what you would expect, uh, that benefit of the doubt, grace. Um, the other component of that is that us making mistakes. I mentioned earlier, I'm an imperfect individual. And it is also inevitable that I will make mistakes um, and, and as those around me will. And it's important for me, knowing that I'm imperfect and I make mistakes, that I owe it to other people to give them grace when they make those mistakes, especially when they're well-intentioned, mm-hmm. especially when, when they're on the right track and, and they mean well, but they're still people. I owe them that grace. Um, because outside of the grace mechanism, it's just turmoil that we don't have to have if we just give grace. I couldn't agree with you more. Deidre, I want to thank you for, uh, for taking this time. Um, I'll be brief. We could, we could probably sit here for the next two, three hours and, and have some, mm-hmm. some really in-depth discussions, which actually I would like to extend an invitation to you to do that once all this COVID stuff is over and, uh, and, and maybe have a chance to sit down with you a little bit more um, over some coffee or, or, or something. Um, tea. Okay. I'm a tea girl. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you the tea. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one, right? <laughs> uh, exactly. But no, I want to thank you for, for joining me today. Um, and before we wrap up, is there anything else, any final words of wisdom you want to leave us with? Mm, be the change you want to see in the world. Gandhi for- said that. Go do it. I like it. Deidre, thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. To listen to more stories of inspiration, please visit dsmpartnership.com.